Well, shalom. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries, and welcome to our program today. And with me is my co-host, our New York Regional Director, Bobby Walter. Shalom, Mitch, and welcome, everyone. We're very happy to have you back with us here on The Chosen People. And Mitch, we're actually going to be picking up our conversation on Psalm 23. So last week, we left off at the end of Psalm 23, verse 4, talking about uh, the rod and the staff of the shepherd. And now we're going to pick up with verse 5. And while the the rod and the staff from verse 4 talked quite a bit about being in the comforting presence of the shepherd, here in verse 5, the focus kind of shifts a little bit. And we begin to talk about not just the, the comforting presence of the good shepherd, but also how the shepherd blesses his people. Right. You know, throughout the Bible, Bobby, there's a lot of emphasis on banquets. So, you know, if you like to eat well, reading the Bible is is a good thing to do because you might even glean some recipes out of it, you know? Amen. Learning to know and love Jesus and to follow him as the great shepherd, as described in John chapter 10, there's nothing like it. And he's a feast for our souls. Mm. But we look forward, don't we, to the marriage supper of the Lamb the great banquet where we're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and or at least Abraham and some other uh, great Old Testament saints. And so when the Bible describes something really marvelous, really wonderful, oftentimes it's, it's looked at as a banquet. In this instance, the shepherd boy, who's now a king, writing, I believe, upon reflection of his earlier life, mm-hmm. this shepherd who learned how to tend the sheep of Israel by literally tending sheep for his his father in the uh, Israeli Judean desert. Well, now he shows some other aspects of his uh, personality and what he's learned over a lifetime, because if there's one thing that a king did well, it's throw a banquet. And so I'm sure that David really knew how to throw a banquet. And so this is an instance where he is now speaking not as the shepherd, but as the host of a great banquet. And so we read in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. And this anointing with oil is very important. It was done to refresh people. It was also done to indicate that people who were anointed had a freshness from the Spirit of God, not just a freshness from the oil. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of water in the desert sometimes, and oil served a great purpose in cleansing. It was usually scented, so it was a beautiful smell. So he's really talking about uh, the anointing that you experience when you sit down for a banquet with the king. And I I believe that's what David's uh, describing. And the second part of this, of course, is that this banquet doesn't take place in a vacuum. It takes place in the presence of his enemies. Hmm. So, I mean, how, how do you eat when you know somebody's standing next to you ready to kill you? Well, you don't eat in peace, that's for sure. Right, right. But we now have a lavish banquet with great food, and you're anointed with oil, and you're, 
you smell fragrant even though you may have spent the day working or in the desert or wherever you've been. But for David, he understood that, in a sense, everywhere he went, because he was in the presence of the Lord, he had nothing to fear. And it was as if God set a banquet table for him in the presence of his enemies wherever he went. And I think that's just a great image of what God does for us. He's with us. He never forsakes us. And quite honestly, in his presence is not only fullness of joy, but in John chapter 10, which is linked to the great shepherd passage, one of the images of the Savior in the Gospel of John, there's not only an image of Jesus as a shepherd, but it's also, it tells us that Jesus gives us the gift of abundant life. And so abundant life, the banquet, being anointed with oil, setting a place for joy in the midst of enemies, these are all marvelous, marvelous images that help us understand that wherever the Lord is, things are good. No matter what you're experiencing, and the Hebrew word for enemies, sarar, is from a, a Hebrew word which means enemies or it could mean troubles. It comes to a Yiddish word that I grew up with using all the time, the word surus, which means trouble. And when I use the word surus, trouble, I mean, it's usually has something to do with the history of the Jewish people. You know, the Jewish people had enemies constantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the Old Testament, we see the, the nations, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and began with Egypt and Greeks and Romans. And then throughout history, we had uh, pogroms, we had crusades before them, then we had the Holocaust. And, you know, there's always been these struggles. The Jewish people have always had enemies. And remember, Psalm 23 was a, a gift to the Jewish people, and it's a gift to all of us who know God and read his word. But it really was, it was very much a Jewish psalm. Um, one of the most interesting things about this psalm is that it's actually in Judaism, it's a funeral psalm. And so we read Psalm 23 when we're moving the casket out of the memorial service to the gravesite for the person to be buried. And I think you have to see all of this in the context of Jewish history and in the Jewish understanding of God. And sometimes we learn a lot from the Jewish understanding of God because it's really based upon the Old Testament. And no matter what trouble you're experiencing in life, life can actually always be a banquet if you live your life in the presence of the Lord. I think that's what David's saying. Right. And there's honestly, there's just so much comfort and peace that we can find and hope that we can find in that fact, in that truth. And it's something that I know for me personally, I need to remind myself of this on a, on a regular basis. Because Mitch, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed, I'm sure our listeners have noticed, but life can be difficult. Sometimes, Bobby, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, things go wrong, you know? I mean, just uh, try to drive in New York City once in your life, and you will know that things can go wrong, and things will go wrong, and your buttons will be pushed, and, you know, you'll feel this... Uh, this anger welling up inside of you because this guy just cut you off, anything. But I, I mean, that's just the daily stuff. But on the grand scale as well, we can go through some really uh, serious trials and tribulations and troubles in our lives. And to know that in the midst of it, 
God is blessing us, and we can find peace in that, is just so comforting. And I, I can't help but think of, I mean, there's numerous examples of this throughout the scripture, but I can't help but think of Paul when he was in prison, in chains, in this, this dungeon, and what, what did they do? They began to sing praises to God in the midst of it. I mean, if that's not just a, a perfect example of this verse being lived out, that, you know, from a dungeon, from a place where you, you are in chains, you're able to just find such joy in the Lord, in who God is, and in the relationship that you have with God, and His, His active blessings at work in your life, His presence with you in the midst of that trial and trouble and tribulation. There's just, uh, there's, there's nothing quite like it. So our understanding is that even though life has its problems, again, even though we suffer, we always have hope because we know that we worship a God who has covenant loyalty, so to speak, as his middle name. I mean, he loves Israel with an everlasting love. He loves us with an everlasting love, and we can count on that love. And we experience his grace and his mercy and his comfort Paul understood that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Let me just read that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. For just as the sufferings of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. And so the great shepherd who gives us the gift of abundant life is always present with us during the difficult times and in a sense always sets a banquet uh, for us before our enemies. Whatever our trouble is, he's always there to give us cause to recognize his greatness and his faithfulness and his provision. And that's the abundant life. Dear friend, if you're listening, I hope that you're taking advantage of the abundant life. No matter what you're experiencing right now. God's going to see you through it, and God's going to be faithful to you, and he's going to be faithful to your loved ones, and you can have joy in the midst of suffering because the Lord is with you. In addition to partnering with local churches in the New York area, Chosen People Ministries is ready and available to speak at your church or missions conference and we offer a variety of presentations on topics such as Jewish evangelism, the Jewish roots of Christianity, Messiah in the Old Testament, and so much more. So if you, your church, or your Bible study group is looking for another way to go deeper in your study of the culture, heritage, and history of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, then please request more information today at chosenpeople.com radio. And if you're not looking for a specific study topic, but you just want to let us know you're listening to this program, we'd love to hear from you. Just call 888-293-7482. Or once again, visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. You know, Mitch... I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, reading the Bible is good for you. It's sharper than, than any two-edged sword, and it doesn't return void, right? But if we really dig in and study God's Word, 
it can help us, can help us find those nuggets of truth that are buried deep within the text like treasure. Absolutely. And one of those treasures, I believe, is Michael Van Andel's testimony. A South African Jewish guy who came to faith and was dramatically transformed by the power of God. And so we're going to listen to Michael's testimony. I know that you're going to find it amazing, and it will minister to you. I grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa. My mother was Jewish and my dad was of Dutch origins. When I was quite young, my parents got divorced and I grew up largely with my mother and her side of the family. I remember going to my grandmother for Shabbat every Friday. I always felt much closer to the Jewish part of the family than I did to the other part of the family. I liked the cultural side of being Jewish, but I felt like something was missing. I thought a little bit about the story of Pesach, and I thought about the story of how the cloud of God's presence would move, and I felt like maybe the presence of God had moved, but I hadn't kept up with the movement of the cloud, or, or we hadn't kept up. And so when I went to Shul, I just felt like there was something missing in terms of a connection with God. It didn't seem like His presence was there. I was a very private person, and I kept my thoughts about God and to a large extent about life to myself. I, I wanted to believe in something because I thought it was true. I had a lot of questions about the meaning of life and what I was doing and what role religion was ever going to play in my life. I went through some tough times as a teenager trying to find my identity and a lot of pains and a lot of questions. Why is there suffering in the world or why am I going through these difficult times if God does love me? Just wondering if anyone really cared about me at a at a deep level i thought that if i just did the right things and worked hard and enjoyed life i would have a good life everything would be okay but the problem is I found i i didn't really have an answer to the meaning of suffering in the world where does suffering come from? What's the purpose of some of the struggles that I've gone through myself? Is there some kind of meaning behind suffering and struggles in the world? My mother didn't really speak about Jesus. There was this big area that wasn't up for discussion. At some stage during my high school years, I decided to read the Bible for myself and see what it was all about. I encountered something that Jesus said where he said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. That statement drew me so powerfully because I realized all around me, people are looking for life. Everyone wants life and everyone wants to feel like there is some bigger purpose to why they're here, I had to either 
take it seriously or I had to somehow put it to the side and just pretend like no one had ever given an answer because he was saying, I am the answer and here's the answer to the questions that you are asking. I saw evidence that this Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of a Messiah who would suffer and die for the sins of the world. The greatest example of God using suffering for ultimate good is the story of how Jesus suffered and died for the sins of his people. The one person in human history who never deserved bad things to happen to him is the person who maybe suffered the most. He was put to death at the hands of men, but God raised him up. It's through the suffering of Messiah that he brings us into the presence of God and opens up a relationship with God. If God used the greatest example of human injustice and of suffering to bring about the greatest miracle in the history of the world, there is hope when I go through struggles in my own life and hope that no suffering is in vain. It all has a purpose in God's plan. I wrestled a lot and I struggled a lot. I felt like there was a distance that started to develop between myself and my family. And it started to come to a position where I realized I needed to make a choice. And I started to realize that this promise of abundant life that Messiah makes is a promise that is worth much more than any human relationship or the approval of people. God didn't feel distant anymore. I felt like he was moving my life in a certain direction and I didn't know where it was all going, but I felt like there was no other way or no other path for me to go. I'm a professional investor and so I'm very aware that people want good investments that will give them a return over the long term. And one of the things that Jesus said was, don't lay up treasure for yourselves on earth because on earth there's moths that eat up and rust that destroys, but lay up treasure in heaven. Everyone is aware that they only have a short time on this earth, but people are so obsessed with making money and having a lot in this life, but they seem to want to forget that they can't take any of that with them. The promise of life that Jesus makes is a promise of eternal life that begins in the here and now. The passion that His Spirit gives makes this life in this world have meaning. I need to sometimes remind myself of that, but it really is this wonderful truth and treasure that I enjoy and that no one can take from me. Welcome back. You are listening to The Chosen People. So Mitch, this has been a really great conversation about Psalm 23, verse 5, again, which says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
And each of these uh, descriptive terms that, um, that David uses really talk quite a bit about God's blessings upon our life and how we can have in the midst of trials and tribulations and, and troubles and challenges that we face in life, we can still experience God's blessings. You know, we, we can have that, that banquet table prepared before us where we are in the presence of our enemies, where we are there fellowshipping with God and, and partaking of the nourishment that he provides for us primarily through his word and with his presence. We are anointed. We've been cleansed by him. We have the gift of his Holy Spirit and our cup runs over, which means that the blessings of the fellowship that we have with God, it just spills out of us. It's so abundant. It's beautiful, honestly. So do you want to just kind of provide some some closing thoughts for us on this abundant, blessed life that we have with God? Sure, sure. I mean, when you're speaking, Bobby, all I can think about is John chapter 10, you know, because it was just such an amazing chapter. I remember when I first got saved, I had read the Gospel of John once, but then I remember reading this passage after I had become a believer, and I kept thinking to myself, wow, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. Hmm. I have an abundant life. I have, I mean, I have so much that I didn't have before spiritually. So Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then it ties right into his being our shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's the point. The reason why we have an abundant life is because Jesus died for our sins, something we couldn't really do for ourselves. We could die, but we can't die for our own sins. It doesn't cover our sins. It has no atonement, a value for atonement. But Jesus not only died, but he resurrected in power. And we can live in that resurrected power. And in this day right now, where there continues to be fear of the economy, fear of inflation, where people are still getting sick from COVID and people are still dying. And uh, there's so many concerns that we have that we all, we need to remember that we should always live our lives in the presence of God, like Michael did and like we try to do. Live your life in the presence of God. Let him, so to speak, anoint your head with oil. Let him freshen you so that uh, you are fragrant even in the midst of trials and suffering. And you can have that abundant life if you ask the Lord to help you live in his presence at all times. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. If you'd like to hear this message again, or if you'd like to share it with a friend, you can do that online when you visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. And if you're looking for ways to be a blessing in the lives of others, then please get in touch with us. There are a variety of ways that you can get involved, and we'd love for you to learn more. We'd also like to send you a free gift just for listening and saying hello. I hope that you've been blessed by sharing a few moments with Bobby and I. We'd like to continue blessing you and send you a free copy of a great book called Israel's Glorious Future. A lot of the great prophecies that we talk about on this show are outlined in this book, and we will send it to you free of charge. 
just because you listened and just because we're brothers and sisters in the Messiah. So contact us and we'll send you a copy of Israel's Glorious Future. I know that you'll love it. And you'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com slash radio. We look forward to hearing from you soon. But right now, let's close with the ironic benediction from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.